Welcome back to the program. Recently, reports proliferated that in the House of Representatives during the recent government shutdown, while the House was meeting late into the night, the smell of booze was rampant. Perhaps if they had been smoking pot instead of drinking alcohol, the government never would have been shut down in the first place, and there might have been a whiff of bipartisanship. Sound ridiculous? Well, if it was the Colorado or Washington legislature, it might very well be the case. In fact, the legalization of marijuana seems to be an idea whose time has come. Recent votes in Colorado and Washington, coupled with the 20 states already allowing medical marijuana and the decision by the Justice Department to rescind prosecution, are all key signposts along the way. We're joined this morning by one of the key players in that effort, He's been influential in numerous battles for marijuana, including the Colorado's recent decision to legalize even recreational use. It is my pleasure to be joined by Paul Armentano. He's the co-author of a new book entitled Marijuana is Safer, So Why Are We Driving People to Drink? Paul, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me this morning. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this battle and uh, how long you've been involved in it. Well, I've been involved in marijuana policy reform for nearly 20 years, and this was an issue that I first became interested in during the 1980s. Uh, I felt from a very early age that it was detrimental and problematic to have a public policy whereby the state through the exertion of force and coercion, could draw an arbitrary line that says it is appropriate and legal for certain adults in the privacy of their own home to put certain mood-altering substances into their body, but that it was inappropriate and we would, in fact, criminalize, prosecute, and incarcerate adults who put certain other mind-altering and mood-altering substances in their body in the privacy of their own home. And nowhere did this arbitrary line seem more egregious than in the case with cannabis, which is not only a temporarily mood-altering substance, but also a therapeutic substance that is objectively safer than alcohol. The primary psychoactive substance that is not only legal in this country, but is also celebrated and is rather ubiquitous in the United States of America. So it was this idea of giving the government, giving the state the power to essentially regulate what we put in our body and how we temporarily alter our consciousness that got me involved in this effort. And of course, all of this and the attitudes surrounding it go back to the drug wars and the attitudes that were prevalent in the early 80s, really. Well, certainly the war on cannabis, which is, of course, primarily a war on the consumers of cannabis rather than the plant itself, has its origins that date back far further. In fact, California was the second state in the nation to first criminalize the consumption of cannabis, and it did so in 1913, uh, almost two and a half decades before the federal government got into the marijuana prohibition business in 1937. And this long history of criminal prohibition really speaks to the failure of the policy 
Because, of course, if the criminalization and prohibition of marijuana was able in any way to meet its intended goals, which were to limit access to the plant and to dissuade the public from using the plant, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We have a hundred-year experience with cannabis prohibition in California. We have a 76-year experience with the federal prohibition of cannabis, which I should add was enacted on October 2nd. So we're literally at this 76-year anniversary. Yet nobody can honestly look objectively at this policy and make a persuasive argument that it has any way met its intended goals, nor can anyone objectively step back and look at this policy and say, if we give it a hundred more years, is it likely that during that time this policy will meet its intended goals? We have one out of ten Americans right now saying that they regularly use this prohibited substance. It makes no sense to continue to arrest over 800,000 Americans every year for using a substance that is objectively safer than the celebrated and ubiquitous alcohol. Why do you think that it has been so pervasive for so long that this attitude has existed? I think that there are forces that are in play that benefit from maintaining this public policy. There are certainly law enforcement interests in play, and there are interests of other ancillary industries um, beyond law enforcement, like the drug testing industry. I also think that just from a practical standpoint, when you have had a policy in place and a policy has become so bloated, as has the prohibition of cannabis and all the surrounding agencies that are involved with it, who at the federal level is going to show the courage to stand up and pull the plug on it? Who's going to stand up and raise their hand and say, we made a mistake. This policy was improper on the outset and it's inappropriate now and we are going to amend it, and we are going to take responsibility for having allowed this detrimental policy to exist for so long, and we are going to take responsibility for having misled the American people about the need for this policy and how this policy was working. That is going to be a very difficult speech for whatever sitting politician ends up delivering it. And I think, by and large, leaders at the federal level on this particular issue do not lead, they follow. When we look at the history of the federal prohibition of cannabis, the federal government only got involved after a majority of states had already acted to criminalize cannabis. And I think the same principle is going to be in play when we ultimately see the ending of federal prohibition. The states will once again lead on this issue and the federal government will follow. And they will only follow when virtually all of the states 
have made it clear that they are no longer going to abide by this archaic and failed federal policy. What about the fact that probably what we'll wind up with is a patchwork of state regulation where some states allow it for medical use, some states like Colorado and Washington, certainly there'll be others, that allow it for a broader range of uses, including recreational use, and there will certainly be some states, deep red states, that will continue to be in sync with the federal government. Sure. And we would expect that. Again, let's look at history. Let's look at the fall of alcohol prohibition. The federal government did not mandate that states legalize and regulate alcohol. The federal government simply got out of the way and decided that states were best to govern alcohol policies. And they did so, I should add, after 10 states said that they were no longer going to enforce the federal prohibition of alcohol. Ten states. So when that occurred, the federal government had a choice to make. They realized that they could try and mandate this federal policy, even in those states that had rejected it, and that they could go against popular opinion, and they could use their limited resources to essentially federalize activity that had previously been state criminal activity, or they recognized that they could simply give up this federal fight and leave the issue up to the states. That is, of course, what they did. And we had a patchwork system after that for decades where you had a number of states move forward with common sense taxation and regulation of alcohol, and you had other states that maintained various levels of prohibition. In fact, even today, if you look at the alcohol regulations for all 50 states, they are very different from one another. Where I grew up, alcohol is regulated in a manner entirely different than it is regulated in California. When I was growing up, you could not buy alcohol after 8 p.m., you couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. You still can't buy alcohol on holidays. You can't buy alcohol in a grocery store. You can't buy beer where you buy hard liquor. These are simply the rules of the state because 50 states have the authority to regulate alcohol how best they seem fit and in a way that is most in line with the cultural mores of those localities. And I don't see why it would be any different with cannabis, a substance that has been far more politicized than alcohol and where the public has far more disparate feelings about it than alcohol. But if the federal government gets out of the way, it is clear that we will see far more states than just Washington and Colorado move forward with regulations to finally reflect reality and to legalize and regulate the adult consumption as well as the commercial production and retail sale of cannabis in a manner that is standardized and above ground. What do you think was the key element in the campaign in Colorado that really brought the public around to, to pass this measure that allowed the recreational use? Well, we know we are at a tipping point nationwide when it comes to marijuana policy reform. 
whether one looks at Gallup or they look at Rasmussen or they look at Pew, you name your national poll and you will find consistently that far more respondents say that they would prefer to see marijuana legal than would prefer to see a maintaining of the status quo, this notion that marijuana is not only illicit, but that it is, in fact, a Schedule One prohibited substance, a classification that says by statute the drug is more potentially harmful to health and to society than cocaine, methamphetamine, GHB, thalidomide, and anabolic steroids. That's the law. And if it sounds absurd, and if you think that sounds absurd, then you are with the majority of Americans who believe that that law should be changed. 55% of the voters in Colorado said that in this last election, as did 55% of the voters in Washington state. There is a recognition in now, in 2013, that prohibition has failed on every possible level. It is leading to a wasting of taxpayer dollars. It has altered law enforcement priorities and not in a good way. It's having a disproportional adverse effect on young people, on various ethnic minorities. It's impeded legitimate research into the plant's therapeutic value, and it has failed to achieve its intended goals of limiting marijuana access and dissuading the public from using marijuana. The public understands now that we've been able to drastically reduce the use, for instance, of tobacco and the health-related effects associated with the use of tobacco, not by criminalizing the use of tobacco for everybody, but by regulating tobacco, imposing age restrictions on tobacco, licensing the production and sale of tobacco, imposing excise taxes on the product, the public realizes that the prohibition of cannabis equals the absence of the control of cannabis. And the public recognizes that they would rather have the cannabis market be handed over to licensed businesses as opposed to criminal entrepreneurs. And I think ultimately that the public recognizes that it makes no sense from a public safety standpoint nor from a public policy standpoint to essentially, through the law, coerce people into using a substance that is objectively far more dangerous than cannabis, that being alcohol. Talk about where law enforcement stands on this and and really a very mixed bag in terms of attitudes from law enforcement. Well, by and large, unfortunately, attitudes of members of law enforcement are a large part of why it has been so difficult to amend many of the present laws regarding the prohibition of cannabis, particularly in this state, California, 
we have seen again and again that representatives of law enforcement are a powerful lobby and they are unwilling to negotiate at any level on issues pertaining to marijuana law reform. As your listeners know, California was the first state to enact medical marijuana law reform and did so in 1996. As you mentioned on in the introduction to this segment, we now have 20 states and the District of Columbia allowing for the medical use of marijuana. In virtually every one of those other states, there are regulatory systems in place regarding the production and distribution of cannabis, regarding the conditions for which cannabis can be recommended under state law. There have been no further regulations in the state of California, despite the public and politicians demanding those regulations. And the reason for that has been the impediment of law enforcement in the state of California that nearly two decades after that vote still refuse to even acknowledge that medical marijuana is the law of this state. Where do you think that the issue is going here in California, first of all? I think, and the PPIC poll numbers from last week bear this out, that as in the rest of the nation, voters in California are also have reached this tipping point. According to the PPIC poll, 60% of likely voters in California now say that marijuana ought to be legal. And whether it's the midterm election in 2014 or the forthcoming presidential election in 2016, uh, it is pretty clear at this point in time that during one of those years, if not both of those years, voters in the state of California will get the opportunity to go to the ballot box and decide once and for all whether they want the broader social use of marijuana by adults to be a crime or to be a legal and regulated activity. And my prediction would be just as a majority of voters in Colorado and Washington voted for legalization and regulation, a majority of voters in California are going to do likewise. And where do you think the Justice Department is going to continue to go on this issue? Well, we got guidance from the Justice Department some weeks ago right. when the Attorney General made it clear that the federal government is unlikely to interfere in states that have what they deem to be robust regulatory schemes in place governing the production and retail sale of cannabis. The federal government made it clear that they have concerns about sales to minors, about illicit drug traffickers getting involved in the marijuana trade, about the potential diversion of the marijuana product from these states that have legalized it to bordering states that have not. But they said, were it plausible that these regulatory schemes were doing the best they could to prevent those potential abuses that they would leave the states alone. In fact, they acknowledged that it is arguable 
that such a regulatory system might, in fact, do a better job at preventing marijuana abuse and diversion than the illegality or the prohibition of marijuana has ever done, which is actually um, a point that I would concur with. We know for a fact that marijuana prohibition has failed to drive down access and to drive down use. So why not try regulation? And is it your sense that we're getting closer to that? How far away do you think we are? Again, I think, like we saw with the history of alcohol prohibition, that at some point in the not-so-distant future, the federal government is going to have a choice to make. Just as they made that choice when 10 states opted out of alcohol prohibition, I think once we see another four, five, or six states, including a state like California, potentially states like Maine and Massachusetts, uh, which are also considering similar proposals, once we have, again, six, seven, eight states saying we are no longer going to enforce cannabis prohibition, the federal government is going to have to revisit the same choices they made 70, 80 years ago when they had to decide whether it was worth going against public opinion and using their limited resources to mandate a federal policy that neither the public nor their state elected officials wanted anymore. And like they decided with alcohol prohibition, I think the federal government at that time is going to make the decision to say this is a matter best left up to and to be decided by the states and not the federal government. And at that time, you will see a number of states move forward with different regulatory and legalization schemes, and you'll probably see a handful of states continue with prohibiting cannabis. But over time, just as with alcohol prohibition, I think we will reach a point in time where every state recognizes that legalization and regulation is better than the absence of control and the absence of regulation, which is, in fact, prohibition, which is what we have now. Paul Armentano, the book is Marijuana is Safer. It's just out from Chelsea Green Publishing. Paul, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Thank you. Good to be here. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.